0: hi everyone welcome to lola's frugal life this is episode number 301 today we're going to be talking about basic investing terms so please stick around for a few quick words from our sponsor and we'll get right into the show Okay, so today I wanted to talk about some of the basic terms that we hear when it comes to investing. Um, This episode will not get into the details of how to invest or offer any tips or advice on actually investing your money. I'm certainly no expert um, in that area. I just, I mean, we do invest, but we do based on what we've learned and we're pretty simple. Um, I just wanted to kind of go over some of the terms that we often hear related to investing. Um, that we might not always know what they mean um, like the basics of them because it's a good idea to have a basic understanding of the different types of accounts and the language used related to those um, just to kind of know what some of your options are in general so these are just the basics um, and i'm sure there are many more basics that i could cover but i'm just kind of going over what i know and what came to mind for this episode because as i thought of uh The things i wanted to cover it just kept going into so many different areas so i hope i cover some things that are helpful to you um you know i i do try and explain some of the benefits of some types of retirement or college savings accounts um But most of them do have exclusions or limits. So there are exceptions of who can use those types of accounts, usually based on our income. So I do just want to mention that, you know, it's always important to make sure to consult a financial or tax advisor before you make any types of decisions on putting money in any particular type of account. So, first, I just wanted to start with some of the basic um, retirement savings terms. So, IRA is one we often hear. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as an IRA. Um, An IRA is an individual retirement account. So the word individual is key here. An IRA cannot be a joint account. There can only be one person's name on the account. So of course you can have a beneficiary on the account if something were to happen to you, who those funds would go to, but the account itself is only in the name of one person. So an IRA is an account that you would open up on your own, not through an employer. You would do this either through a financial institution, Um, or, um, sorry, (laughs) you would do this through a financial institution, either in person or online. And there are limits to how much you can contribute to an IRA each year. So if you have a spouse, those limits are applied separately. So you could each contribute to your own IRA up to the limits that are in place. If you open up an IRA, it's important to understand that the IRA is just the type of account and you know um, determines what you can do within that account. But an IRA account is not an investment. Once you have money in your IRA account, you need to choose how to invest that money. Money is not automatically invested once you put it in an IRA account. If you don't choose um, how to invest that money, it will just sit there earning a very minimal amount of interest. So it's really important to understand that an IRA is only um, kind of like a, like a, an, like a bucket that kind of holds your money so that the rules apply to that money. So that there are certain, sorry, so I'm trying to say like what there are, there's like certain rules that apply to the money within an IRA account, but the account itself is not an investment account. If you just put money into an IRA, it's just gonna basically sit there like it's cash. So it's really important once you get that money in there that you choose how that money is to be invested and those options are going to be dependent upon where you open up your account. Some are very free, where you can pretty much invest in anything. Some might be limited to um, accounts like or mutual funds uh, within the portfolio of that investment firm that you open it with. So you just want to kind of understand uh, before you op- choose who to open the account with, like what your investment options will be. Within IRA accounts, there's typically two types: um, traditional IRA and Roth IRA. So a traditional IRA is a pre-tax retirement account. So money that you put into an IRA, um, into a traditional IRA, can generally be deducted from your income in the year that you deposit the money into the account. So by being able to deduct your traditional IRA deposits for tax purposes, you can reduce your taxes in the year you make the contribution. You won't pay tax on the earnings in your traditional IRA each year either. Um, So basically the money is not taxed until you decide to take distributions from the account. So if you take money out of the account before the retirement age though, that's determined by the IRS, which is currently 59 and a half, you will pay taxes and penalties. So even though you're not being taxed um, each year on what the money that you had put in and you're not being taxed on any of the earnings each year, you will be taxed and penalized if you take it out before retirement age. If you take it out at the normal age, you will um, be taxed at your tax rate at that time and depending on when you were born um, currently it's 70 and a half or 72 depending on when you were born you have to take um, required minimum distributions often you'll hear these referred to as rmds so um, basically the irs doesn't want that money sitting in an account forever um, they want you to pay taxes on it eventually, and you didn't pay taxes on the money when you put it into the account. So they—they're basically saying, "Hey, you know, you're this age at this point, and you still haven't taken money from this account. We want to start collecting our taxes." So they require you to take a certain amount out once you hit those ages. So basically, rather than paying um, money, paying tax on that money right now at what people usually assume will be a higher tax rate. Um, they're deferring the taxes until during retirement, which is when people typically assume that they will be at a lower tax rate, which is why people choose um, to use a traditional IRA. And that's why it's called a tax deferred account, because you're basically deferring the taxes to be paid at a later time. So currently, the annual contribution limit on a traditional IRA is $6,000 if you're under 50, or $7,000 if you're over 50. And again, like I said, all of the rules on these accounts change, and there's definitely limitations. Um, So you always want to check and make sure if these apply. The other basic type of IRA account is a Roth IRA. So a Roth IRA is an after-tax retirement account. Um, Money that's deposited into a Roth IRA is not deductible for tax purposes, and the money that you put into a Roth IRA has already been taxed, so you won't be taxed later when you take it out. The benefit of a Roth IRA is that the earnings on the money um, you invest will not only grow tax-free. But they're also not taxed at the time when you take a distribution out either. So in other words, if you invest like $1,000 in a Roth IRA and it it equals $10,000 when you retire, you can take that full $10,000 out with no um, tax on any of it. Of course, again, there's always restrictions and changes and exceptions, but generally that's why people um, invest in... Roth IRAs, especially those people that have long time horizons for investing, because there's all that time that that money can grow in value and that change, that increase in value will not be taxed when you take the money out. So, the contribution limit for a Roth IRA is the same as a traditional IRA. However, it's important to note that if you're investing in a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, that the contribution limit applies to them on a combined basis. So, for example, say you were gonna say you, um, the con- the limit is $6,000 and you invest 3000 in a Roth IRA and 3000 in a traditional IRA, you've met the limit. You can't invest any more in an IRA for that tax year. So... Some people will do that. Some people will, will do a mix of both because no one really knows what their tax rate is going to be during retirement and tax laws can change. So for this reason, you know, some people will make a decision to kind of do some of their contributions in a before tax account in a traditional IRA and some will do in an after tax in a Roth IRA. So those are just some options of retirement accounts that you can open up on your own and put your own money into either pre-tax or after tax. The other um, most commonly known um, retirement accounts are 401k accounts, or they're they're also called 403b accounts if it's a not-for-profit company. So a 401k account is opened through an employer. You can't go and open your own 401k account. A 401k account is managed by an employer. And often employers often some type of match on funds that you put into your 401k, So there's usually a limit on what they will match. So for example, maybe an employer might say they'll match 100% of your contributions up to 3% of your pay, or maybe they might say they'll match 50% of your contributions up to 5% of your pay. So there's many different ways, those are just a couple of examples, but there's many different ways that employers can choose to set up matches. So say for example, they said they'll match 50% up to 5% of your pay. So that means for if you put in 1% of your pay, you'll get 50% contribution from your employer. So for every $1 you put in, you would get another 50 cents. If you put in 3% of your pay, then you would get 1.5% of your employer, from your employer. So in other words, they would be matching half of everything you put in up till you hit 5%. Then they will not match any further. So they'll basically, under that scenario, they would basically put in a max of two and a half percent of your wages if you're putting in five, and then anything above that, there's still money going into your account, and that's still great. Just your employer wouldn't match anymore. So there's many different ways that can be set up, Um, but it's important to understand how that match works because if you're getting a match, it's really a great idea to try and at least put in enough money to get that full match because that's all extra money that your employer is going to give you, and that can earn money and grow over time for your retirement. So the thing is, though, with um, with a four hundred one k, similar to when opening up an IRA, it's important to make sure you choose how to invest the money in your four hundred one k. Depending on how the account is set up, the options are usually not as broad as in an IRA. But if you don't choose your investment option, your money will typically be, paid, be placed in like a cash type account. And in this case, you will be earning at a rate similar to a regular savings account, which is basically nothing. So it's really important to make sure you have that money invested within that 401k account. Generally, there's two types of 401k accounts, um, a traditional and a Roth, similar to the IRAs. So a traditional 401k, as far as the tax benefits, is basically the same as a traditional IRA. Money is taken from your paycheck before you pay taxes on it and deposited into the account. So the taxes will be paid later on that money and any earnings at the time um, you take distribution, that's when you'll be taxed on it. Um, the distribution age, minimum distributions, early withdrawal penalties, all of that are the same as a traditional IRA. The difference is that you can contribute up to um, $20,500 per year currently for 2022. And if you're over 50, you can contribute an additional $6,500 per year. That $6,500 additional is called a catch-up contribution. So basically, the biggest difference in um, traditional versus uh, a traditional IRA versus a traditional 401k is the fact that you can contribute a lot more through an employer um, 401k than you can in your own IRA. And those, those amounts, those limits do typically change each year. Um, and it's important to note too that a contribution to a 401k does not count towards the IRA limit. So if you're contributing to a 401k, um, either traditional or Roth, you can still contribute to an IRA account. So you can do both without maxing out. Um, you know either one. You can you can reach the max on both and be fine. A lot of employers now are a lot of employers are now offering Roth IRA. I'm sorry, not Roth IRAs. Roth 401ks as an option for employees for their retirement savings. So as far as the tax benefits for a Roth 401k. Did I say Roth 401k when I first made that statement? I hope that's what I said. I'm like, there's so many, I keep saying these words, I don't even remember what I'm saying anymore. Anyway, I'm talking about a Roth 401k. So with a Roth 401k, um, the tax benefits are basically the same as a Roth IRA. So money is taken from your paycheck after taxes and deposited into the account. So money that's put in and any earnings Um, at the time when you take distributions will not be taxed. The distribution age, minimum distributions, early withdrawal, penalties. Oh, I'm sorry, there are no minimum distributions. I said that wrong. For a Roth 401k, there are no minimum distributions that there are in a traditional 401k and traditional IRA because you've already paid your taxes on this money. So the IRS is not too concerned about you taking it out you know taking it out whenever because you've already paid taxes on it so it's not really doesn't matter to them too much when you take it out however there is still a distribution age and early withdrawal penalties and all that are the same as with a Roth IRA where you will be penalized if you take the money out before you reach the retirement age which is currently 59 and a half. so there are contribution um, maximums for a traditional um, for a Roth IRA, which are the same as a traditional 401k, which is the 20,500 per year, or um, $6,500 additional catch-up if you're over the age of 50. So again, contributions to a 401k Roth or traditional do not count towards the IRA limit, so you can still contribute to an IRA if you have the funds available. Just make sure that you understand that the limits for the traditional and Roth 401k are different than the traditional and Roth IRA. Because I have heard um, people who had an an option with their employer for a Roth 401k and were advised by friends that they shouldn't contribute to a Roth 401k, or not that they shouldn't contribute, but that they were limited in the amount they can contribute um, differently than what they could contribute to the traditional 401k, which is not true. The limit is exactly the same. You can put the same max in a Roth 401k as you can in a traditional 401k. So I think there's some confusion with the IRA, with the Roth IRA and the Roth 401k where some people think they're limited to the $6,000 that you're limited to on a Roth IRA, the same on a Roth 401k. That is not true. A Roth 401k, you have the same contribution max as you do on a traditional 401k. So I hope that wasn't too confusing. I feel like I was just kind of, oh my gosh, there's so many words in there. I hope I didn't say any of the wrong words at the wrong time. But anyway, like I said, this is all just basic. You could look up all of this information um, for yourself and get more clarity. This is just kind of like to go over some of the basics. So those were basically um, retirement savings accounts that we just talked about. I'm not gonna go into college savings accounts in this episode because there is just so much information and I just feel like this was getting way too long. Um, But I do want to mention um, non-retirement investing. So there's many options for investing money in non-retirement accounts. Depending on the type of investment, generally the earnings on these accounts are taxed on an annual basis. Of course, there's different like tax exempt bonds and, you know, other things that you can potentially invest in, but I'm certainly not going to get into that level of detail and I don't fully understand any of that either. So this is more just high level. Generally, money that you have in an investment account, a non-retirement investment account, when, it, when there are earnings on it, you're taxed on them on an annual basis with your regular tax return. You could take money out at any time as you need it without incurring any penalties, generally as far as taxes go. Um, a non-retirement investment account is called a brokerage account. So similar to opening an IRA, these accounts can be opened in person at a financial institution or online. And once you open the account, again, you'll have many options to invest your money. The account is just kind of like a vehicle to hold your investments in. So I'm not sure if some brokerage accounts may may limit you um, to purchase from their own investment selection, so you just want to be sure about that. But for example, say if you open a brokerage account with like ETrade, trade um, within that one account, you could potentially own several stocks, a couple of different mutual funds, cash, you can have all different types of money and investments in that one account. So I'm just trying to give that as an example so that you understand a brokerage account is just somewhere that holds your investments and you can have many different investments within that one single account. So the account itself is not the, investments, is not the investment, um, you invest the money how you want to within that account. So then just kind of like some basic other terms we might hear um, related to investing both um, retirement or otherwise. Um, conservative investment. So typically conservative investments consist of like bonds or very low risk stocks. The main goal of conservative investing is to have some growth, but greatly reduce the risk of losing value of the amount initially invested. So often you'll hear people will say that they're going to do more conservative, conservative investing as they get closer to retirement because they don't want to have the risk of all those ups and downs in the value of their account. The complete opposite of conservative investing is aggressive investment. So aggressive investing is usually um, very high in stocks, um, like a very high amount of stocks. And these investments often change greatly in value and are at the most risk of losing value when the market goes down. But they're also at they also have a opportunity of going up a lot when the market goes up. But you still have that fluctuation that can occur really at any time. So usually people go more aggressive when they have a really long time horizon for when they're gonna need the money. So everyone kind of needs to think of their own investment strategy. So unless we're nearing the point where we need to use our investments, most of us kind of fall somewhere in between being totally conservative or totally aggressive. Um, And you can speak to an advisor or do some research online for a mix of investments that will kind of get you somewhere in the midpoint on how much ups and downs that you're able to feel comfortable with. So some people are much more comfortable with higher risk. Some people are much more comfortable with lower risk. So it's all about kind of what makes you feel comfortable so that you're not worrying about your investments all the time. Um, A lot of times you'll hear the term index fund. So an index fund is basically a fund that's managed by investment managers that holds a wide range of investments in various companies. So for example, there are, there are, um, many index funds that are called an S and P 500 fund. And those index funds basically are set up to mimic, um, the index, which is the S and P 500 is an index of companies. It's like the 500 largest companies in the US, I think. I forget exactly what determines who's on that list. Um, but the S&P is an index where they kind of track how the stock market is doing. That's one of the indexes that people will look at. So um, an index fund, that's an S&P fund, would basically look at the companies that are in the S&P and invest in those companies so that they get a similar result. And then people will often compare the results of that fund to how the S&P actually fluctuated and see like how well it's performing. So that's just one example of an index fund. There's other indexes and then there's other types of mutual funds. An index fund is a type of mutual fund. A mutual fund is just an account that holds multiple um, investments in different companies or bonds or things like that within that fund. So basically when you're investing in an index fund, you're purchasing a small piece of many companies rather than trying to choose individual stocks. So a lot of people choose to invest that way so that they don't have to sit there trying to do research and um, figure out like what stocks to buy and what's the most risk and what ones might do well and what industries might I wanna invest in. People will um, just often put money in an index fund and it's kind of spread out, it minimizes your risk and they generally tend to grow over time as our markets grow. Okay. Fractional shares so some brokerage accounts will allow you to purchase fractional shares a fractional share is a portion of a share So say for example, you want to invest in a company whose stock is trading for $300 per share But you only have $100 to invest if the account that you have allows the purchase of fractional shares You can invest $100 in the company and purchase a third of a share of that company so by being able to purchase fractional shares, it gives you a lot more opportunity to invest in companies that you might not otherwise be able to invest in. And not all accounts allow for this, but there are many out there that do. So if that's something that's important to you, um, just be sure that that's an option that you look um, to see if that's available when you open an account. Okay, unrealized gains and losses. So you might hear this term, um, unrealized gains and losses, and not really know what it means. So an unrealized gain is just a gain that you have not yet realized, meaning it could still change. So say, for example, um, you invest $100 in a mutual fund. If you look at your investment statement today, and the value of that fund has increased to $120, that means you have a $20 unrealized gain tomorrow, you might look at the fund and the value may have now declined down to $90, meaning you would have a $10 unrealized loss. So it really just represents how the current value of your investment compares to your initial investment. You really have no real gain or loss until you sell your investment. So that's why it's called unrealized. A realized gain or loss occurs when you actually sell all or part of your investment so using the same example if you invested hundred dollars in a mutual fund and then sold it when it was at the value of 120 you'd have a realized gain of twenty dollars so until you sell your investment you really haven't gained or lost anything because the value can continue to change over time another term we hear a lot are dividends so a dividend is a distribution of earnings to a company shareholders So not all stocks issue dividends. Um, Those that do are usually on a monthly or quarterly basis. So basically if you own um, stock in a company, either individually or through an index or mutual fund, um, you could receive dividends. So a dividend will be issued as a certain amount per share. So the amount of money that you you will receive will depend on how many shares or fractions of a share that you own in that company. The last term i want to go over just because this episode is going so long um, is auto reinvest Um, so auto reinvest is you will need to decide if you want to auto reinvest the earnings on your investments so say for example you own a mutual fund or stock that receives dividend income you can either have that money come to you in cash and then decide what you want to do with it if you want to reinvest it if you want to cash it out whatever you want to do with that money Or you can have the money auto reinvested, meaning that it will repurchase more shares of that stock or mutual fund that it was earned on. So say if you own um, $100 in some stock and you get a $10 dividend, you can purchase $10 more of that stock or you can get $10 cash. So auto reinvesting would mean it would just automatically purchase $10 more of that stock that you um, earned the dividend on. So that's it for today. I know this, I feel like this was kind of all over the place, but there are so many ways to go in this investing terms. Oh my gosh, it just was kind of so much. And I hope that some of what I covered was helpful to you. If there's any particular areas that you'd really like to hear more about that I didn't cover in today's episode, just please let me know. Um, I'd like to provide value, valuable information and I kind of had some ideas. And then when I started putting all my notes together, I was just like, oh my gosh, there's just so much here. Um, and I didn't want to have like an hour long episode because I usually try and stick to shorter episodes. So anyway, like I said, let me know if there's other things you would like to hear um, related to this topic. So don't forget, you can always email me with any questions or suggestions at lolasfrugallife@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at lolasfrugallife. You can find blog posts for each episode on my website at lolasfrugallife.com, And you can join our private listeners group at facebook.com slash groups slash If you enjoy the show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen from, and I would really love it if you would screenshot the show and tag me on Instagram so I could see you're listening. Also, if you could please take a couple of seconds to rate and review the podcast, that would be so helpful to me. Those ratings and reviews are what help grow the listeners for this show, which is what I'm really working hard to do, so that would be really awesome if you could do that. Also, if you're interested in financially supporting the show, there is a link to do that in the episode details so that's it for today thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a really awesome day are you in the mood to learn something new well skillshare is now offering one month free of skillshare premium unlock a passion side hustle or new professional skill with thousands of classes in design business and more start your one month free trial now by using the link within the podcast notes for this episode There's no commitment and you can cancel at any time. So why not go ahead and learn a new skill that you have always wanted to have.